Hi, Joe. Welcome to Habit Talks. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you and have you join our little community. Uh, I would love to get to know you and have you introduce yourself to our audience in like a minute or two. I'm Dr. Joe Bethalt. I'm a lecturer in psychology and um, I'm really interested in, well, mostly my research is about children's development and how they do in school and lots of them are that do struggle in school a lot. And I was one of these kids as well. Like I always forgot my homework. And then at university, I was a bit disorganized and so forth. And um, as time progressed, I developed lots of different strategies and experimented with them. And um, yeah, now I'm sort of a productivity geek and love to optimize even further. And this is how I got into this. You are kind of talking about how you built this out of your own personal experiences. Uh, I would love to see how how many differences or what kind of differences you observed for people who are trying to get more productive as a child or people who are older who are trying to get more productive. What are some differences that you observed? Yeah, so there's a lot of development in something called executive functional or cognitive control. So kids don't have a lot of it, as you might notice if you ever spend any time with a like 10 or 12 year old. And they're quite impulsive. Um, they get distracted, they don't have their long-term goals in mind. And as they get older, they develop these sorts of skills, so to juggle different things, but also to offload a, a lot of things. And I think this is something we can learn from as adults as well, that um, we can manage a lot of things in our brains, but the more we can offload that onto something external, the easier it becomes. So that might be um, making things a habit so you don't have to think about them every time you don't have to come up with the same motivation all the time or it could be using technological tools it could be just writing something down because then you don't have to keep it in mind but also organizing things so maybe writing out all the things you have to do next week on a piece of paper so you don't have to occupy your working memory with that um, I would love to hear more about your experiments and your research. Uh, if you could dive a little bit more e into that, uh, could you walk me through what kind of different research you've been working on in the past couple of years? So I think the most relevant is uh, something about working memory. So working memory is the capacity to hold things in mind um, while you're doing them. So it's maybe repeating a phone number as you think about it or following some instructions as you get from the train station to uh, a house something like that. So the research that I've been involved in looked at the how working men memory develops and there's a huge development from when kids are very early they can't remember a lot of things mostly like one or two items and as they get to seven they remember a lot more and that's because they use strategies like rehearsing things in their minds so it doesn't immediately pop out. And um, we found that uh, kids who had a deficit in working memory, so you, who couldn't remember as much, had um, a lot of problems in school. And that was cutting across a lot of the different uh, diagnostic categories you might think of, like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or um, learning disorders as well. It was often more related to a working memory deficit than any specific learning like reading and writing. And how do you think this could be something that applies to adults who are having difficulty like remembering tasks and then failing to be productive as a result of that? Yeah, I think using aids is really important because working memory capacity is quite fixed. Like there are these things out there where people try to train it. Um, often 
that takes a lot of work. Over weeks, you have to do these working memory games, and then you can remember slightly more, but the research shows that that doesn't really translate into daily life. Um, what you can do, however, is to make most of the working memory resources that you have. So that might be taxing it less by writing things down or by being very organized or following the same routines over and over, or working in a space that's not so... Uh, busy and overloaded with lots of stuff so that you can focus a little bit better. Definitely. Um, so kind of jumping back into your personal experience, how, what kind of a position does productivity play in your life and what are some different kinds of habits that you use to feel more productive or be more productive? Yeah, um, so one of the challenges of my job is that I have to wear lots of different hats. So I have to teach in lectures, I also a personal tutor for students. Um, I have to keep various research projects going. So there's just a lot of different stuff. Um, and um, I'm also naturally quite an anxious person. So if I feel like there's uh, loose threads somewhere, I get quite anxious and I can't relax. So um, over time, I became more and more focused on a system that helps me to keep all of these plates spinning without feeling overwhelmed. So what I do a lot now is um, uh, time blocking. So each Sunday, I sit down for an hour and I plan out the week for the next week. Um, I write down all the, um, all the appointments that I have that are fixed and then um, also the important tasks that need to get done. And then every morning, I schedule out the day so I can make sure that there's time for my research projects that sometimes get pushed back a little bit, but I also get all the priority stuff done. Definitely. Um, and let's say you were working with parents who are thinking that their children are not really kind of on top of their tasks and assignments at school. Um, they feel like they're not as focused on the on certain things that they, they're supposed to be focused on, like they could be going through like tennis practices, but they're not really like uh, committing to these practices. Uh, what would you recommend to these parents so that they can introduce more productivity into these kids' lives? Yeah, it's sometimes difficult, especially if, you, if you're coming from it as a parent, because parents usually have different priorities than kids. Um, so sometimes it's about trying to find out where this problem is coming from. It might just be that tennis is not really something they're into and then even the best sort of scaffolding um, doesn't really help. Uh, and then sometimes it's trying to find something that motivates kids as well to, to really engage with it. So if it's not optional, if it's like schoolwork, sometimes it can help to introduce external rewards just to get them started. So maybe you get a sticker if you do this for the next half an hour. Um, but then also um, helping them to get agency to build something that they know if they put time in it, they can grow and they see the value of that and that they become better. So I think, yeah, Definitely. with kids, it's often more about motivation than the external system. Definitely. Uh, and we come across motivation as a very key driving force for a lot of productivity and habit building things uh, to convert a habit into a routine and a long-term and recurring routine definitely takes a lot of reward uh, because you have to feel like you're constantly being rewarded by the process and like it's kind of difficult to do that um, in your personal life can you build up from an example of how you converted a habit into a long-lasting routine and how reward kind of played into that 
Yeah, so I started getting into um, habit formation a couple of years ago, and um, then I just wanted to see if I could build a habit of something that I found really tedious, and that was flossing my teeth twice a day, all of them. So I started um, from this tiny habits principle of starting with just one tooth. And then um, what motivated me the most, I think, is visualizing the progress. So I'm addicted to um, external gamified little things. So I started just making little ticks and then I could see that my streak was building and building and building and I found that in itself extremely motivating, which sounds a bit sad, but it, it kept me going and now still years later, I do it every day. It's definitely really, really helpful to visualize these kind of things. It's not sad at all. Uh, <laughs> and do you remember the names of those books so that we can kind of recommend it to our audience as well? Sure. Um, so one is Tiny Habits, which is uh, sort of a classic, and then there's Atomic Habits. So yeah, that's great. Stellar ones. It's actually funny because uh, in our company we have an internal book club, and we just finished Atomic Habits. So it's very cool that you mentioned that, and we've actually um, tried to integrate the, the different principles into the app as well. So a little plug in here: uh, Insumo is about to launch, uh, and so the principles that we derive from in our habit journeys is all driven from these kind of important literature um, that we have taken to the heart and then we've also wanted to kind of experiment with it we've tried it on our own and all, all across like the company all our employees are trying different kinds of productivity tools to see what works and what doesn't so it's definitely going to be a holistic experience that we're excited to have you join as well but that being said this has been an amazing and insightful conversation uh and i would like to really thank you for joining me today and looking forward to having you as a part of our community going forward it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.